welcome to the Place Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Carl Thomas. Today's episode is brought to you in association with Forge Powered by Yardi. In today's episode, I'll be speaking with Paul Spiriet, co-founder of Forge and now regional director at Yardi, to talk about hybrid working and the tech that makes it tick. Paul, thanks for joining us. Hello. Let's just jump right in. People are back or are coming back to the office now. And obviously we keep hearing that hybrid is the future. Now, considering everything is in flux at the moment, if you're a landlord or an occupier, how do you figure out what your building management software needs are? And where do you begin? That's a big question. Um, it's a difficult one. I think there are many ways of looking at it. I, for us and for me, I think what works really well is looking at your outcomes first. So trying to think about what you like your building to be. How do you like your building to operate? What type of people are going to be working in your building? And then looking at some of the fundamental structures of the building, so the fabric of the building and how software can support what you've got and software might can support what you want to have and where you want to go. So I think there are many ways of looking at it, but I think the best way is probably to work backwards, to think of the outcome and then get software that fits your need to uh, deal with the way that the world is, is working. And importantly, understand that what's working today may not work tomorrow. So it's ensuring that you've got built-in flexibility to take in what's going to happen. And as the pandemic has shown us that things can happen very quickly and you need to be able to adapt very quickly. It's very hard to change the fabric of a building, much easier to change the software within it. Now, as, as a software provider, uh, what trends do you see at the moment that, are, that really stand out in terms of how offices are changing? I, I'd imagine things are a bit different than they were a few months ago when we were, uh, we were just coming out of lockdown. Yeah, I, th I think there's, there's, a, there's an ongoing trend. And it's a trend that, that we've seen and we've built the foundation of the business on and, and we've, has been adopted by Yardi, and that is interoperability which is the ability for different pieces of software to talk together. And it's really important that from an end user's perspective, be that building manager, building owner or operator, that they get bits of software that suits their needs. So for example, you might have a visitor management software like ours that plugs into a tenant portal application, or you might have a data suite that needs to consume both sets of data that allows you to operate your building more effectively. I think making sure people have the ability to choose the bits of software that work for them and have the tool sets available to get the outcome that they need. That's really important, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you've just touched on this a bit, but uh, can you talk a little bit more about Forge Bluepoint and what exactly it does to, uh, to tackle where we are at the moment in the, in the office world? Sure, so Forge Bluepoint is, a, is our cloud-based visitor management solution, and it gives people the ability to create appointments very simply from Outlook, if they wanted to, or any calendar application through to a tenant portal app. That's how they can start creating a meeting or using the web browser. And from there, we send invites out to visitors and those invites can contain crucial information about the building, the type of health and safety requirements, or simply just a map. Within that smart invite, you also have a QR code and that allows people to check in in the building. Once checked, they can check in at a number of locations at a reception desk in a traditional environment, autonomously or automatically on a kiosk and also integrating with a speed lane so it could go through to their destination. And crucial to what we do is our integration, or part of what we do is our integration with access control and our ability to not only get people into the building, but through to their destination by integrating directly with access control systems. That could be an existing system or it could be a new system. And by doing so, we can time limit people's access into that location securely. So much like how you might have a credential to get through to your destination as an employee, we can take that same technology and same process with visitors. 
And we all manage that in a very secure and in, crucially a very flexible way. So we empower occupiers, tenants and hosts to be able to build meetings that they need for their visitors. So everybody feels communicated to correctly, so everyone feels empowered and everybody feels um, very secure because the whole process is within a secure environment. How has the pandemic uh, changed how much occupiers are looking for things like this? I think it's changed in a number of ways. And I think one of the big changes for us that we saw pre-pandemic, but has accelerated, is the use of data to understand how that building has been utilized. So it's space has become um, a really interesting topic. Where space, it's interesting, it's kind of flipped on its head a little bit. Space before the pandemic was at a premium. So space was becoming more congested and people needed to be more um, efficient at how they use space because more people were coming into those buildings. Now the reverse is true. Less people are coming into their buildings, but actually what's important is the density of people within space. So we're understanding how much occupancy is playing a part in the safe operation of buildings and people's safe return to the office. So how big an office space is and how many people fit in that space is really crucial. And to get to that, people need data. So that can come from occupancy data, it can come from visitor data, and it can come from access control data. And we actually surface up all three, but our customers increasingly want that data to make sure that the decisions they make are safe and it makes their employees feel safe as well, that they can operate their buildings safely, it's efficient, and it's also um, run well. Is the fact that you do all, all those things, has that been has that, that been a benefit for how, how you how you market the product and how, how people respond to it? Um, yeah, I guess it comes back to experience, really. I think one of the lucky things we've had is experienced employees, and we've had experience with a wide and diverse range of customers that allow us to make informed decisions and, and help our customers build the journeys and build the, in, in, implement the technology that suits their needs. So we're not about putting technology in for technology's sake, but we're always putting it in place where there's an outcome that, that drives value. And that value isn't always about the tangible things that can be measured, but it's also about the intangible things around experience. So how people feel within that building. And I think that's a really important thing. It's not, this isn't about a very dry data-driven objective, but it's actually, Think simple things like ensuring that you've got enough reception staff to greet people in into your building in a in a welcoming way, so that reception teams aren't under pressure to process people, but can greet people in a friendly manner. I think there's an interesting I'm going off topic slightly, but an interesting thing in uh, post pandemic that people want a lot of automation on one hand to avoid human contact, but actually we've missed a lot of human contact. So people really enjoy talking to people and having a friendly face when they come into a building. I think that's really important for those reception teams to feel empowered and have the time to deliver on that. So very simply, we can tell people when time, when the peak times of reception are, are taking place and they can ensure that there's enough reception people to deal with those people coming, to those visitors and staff coming to the building. So they feel welcomed. And that's a really important part of what we do. We, we touched on the fact that uh, tenants and uh, and landlords might not quite know where where they where their long term office goals might might lead them. Is that affecting your product in any way, or how how you're thinking about product design and product development? Is is the fact that we are in this little uh, uh, period of limbo in a way uh, affecting you? Yeah, I think that's, that's a really good question. I think it's. it's... When you look at any software product and having worked in software for some time and, and implemented it and bought it in all the different variables, what's really important is giving people a is flexibility and choice. And what you end up with, what you're trying to end up with really is that kind of buying a product that's off the shelf enough to get you started, but gives you the flexibility to build out the, 
the changes in your in your business operation. So whether that's a CRM system, an XRP system, or a visitor management system, or anything in between, we're always trying to give people enough to um, to get started, but enough flexibility to adapt. So for Bluepoint and what we've done, we've always tried to make sure that we're listening to our customers first and foremost. What does the market need and what do our customers need? With that, we have to try and build in the flexibility to accommodate that without the software becoming too bloated and too complicated. And that's always a balance and a trade-off between giving people the tools by which they can change, make changes, but also balancing the, the burden that can come with that when things become too complicated. So you end up with lots of specialists. So it's always that trade-off and a balance that we always trying to, we're trying to get to. So with that in mind, what we look at is those key parts where flexibility is, in, is essential. So in a building operation, that might be the building, that might be the need for building operators to move different companies within floor plates, for example. So you can pick up different levels of integration and synchronization with access control to ensure people get to their destination correctly first time. Um, when you have destination um, control with a lift, for example, you get to the, the right location. So it's giving people enough tools but at the same time, giving not giving too much in terms of uh, requirement and admin problems. So we don't take one problem from one solution, give it somewhere else. So it's trying to find that balance all the time. And to do that, we listen. We simply listen to our customers' needs and try and understand what the markets, uh, where the market's going and ensure that our products support that. Out of curiosity, how, how often are you back in the office now? Well, that, for me personally, actually not very, very often. I've never really been in the office. I've always been a remote worker. I've always been lucky enough to have an office at home. So I, for me, it's nothing's really changed, actually. Um, but as a business, we are in the office slightly more. We actually think we've had the team in the office today, actually, for the first time for a while. So, And we do more regularly have uh, catch-ups. We are quite a disparate team, actually. To, for, certainly the Bluepoint team are quite disparate, spread across the country in the southeast and southwest. So we've never had a centralized location and an office-based structure. So for us, it's a little bit different. I guess we're representative of many businesses nowadays that don't need to have a centralized location. For Yardi, more generally, um, offices are opening back up and uh, people are encouraged to go back to the office on a regular basis. Um, so that's still taking place. Hmm. So you're, uh, you're bringing that uh, personal experience to everything. Yeah, I think so. I think we... I think when, when you've got your own experience, you can understand the problems and frustrations that companies have as well of why would I want to go to the office? And I think it's really important. We see the offices changing a little bit in that you need to have a compelling reason to go to the office. And that may not be, that may be from a very hard kind of point of view in terms of productivity and outputs, but it can also be much softer in terms of just having those interconnections with people face to face to create those bonds and social cohesion that you might have in an office environment that are missing. So Whilst Teams can be great and Zoom's great for, for chats, is it always good for creating um, better, longer-standing relationships with your with your coworkers? And it's it's trying to find that balance. And I think that's part of the struggle uh, with flexing co-working. That whilst productivity may not be impacted, what might struggle, what might uh, lessen is those bonds between coworkers. And I suppose we won't know what the effect of that is until a little longer down the line because it i suppose it takes longer for for that to filter into the quality of products the quality of uh, what what businesses uh businesses produce yes uh, it, it, i think it also depends on what what you're producing and, and why you need to go in and a very simple level for me one of our big frustrations wayne and i uh he's so wayne's co-founder of, of forge we often spent time going in the office with whiteboards and whiteboarding was, was a really crucial exercise for us to work through problems and solutions that's really difficult to do virtually. Um, we've used virtual uh, technology, so we use uh, VR to do that sometimes. 
to, to lesser certain to a lesser uh, degree in terms of success and you can only do that for t- small chunks of time before your head gets very hot on a practical level so there's not lots of things to replace meeting up actually it's really difficult to do those things so i think um yeah there are many challenges but it, it's all about trying to fit uh the problem to the solution so kind of which problem you're trying to fix and how you're going to pro- how you're going to solve that if we look at the tech that's uh, available to buildings, especially on the uh, management side, uh, a lot of new buildings will have that that tech incorporated in some way or another. But if, if you're a landlord with old stock and uh, you might be worried about the time and the expense that it takes to incorporate building management tools, but how hard is it really to do that? And where do you begin if you're in that position? I think you've tried, again, it comes back to my first comment, I think, was around looking at the outcome. So think about the outcome of what you're trying to achieve with the technology and think about the problems you're trying to fix. Sometimes there can be an over, people get, can get very bogged down in technology to fix problems. And that doesn't always, isn't always the case. What often happens is that you can just shift one problem to another and then all you've done, all you've done is automate that problem. So I think it's important you understand the problem you're trying to address and then work backwards. Where you've got an old building with old infrastructure, some of those problems can be very hard to fix when it's part of the fabric of the building. So even practical things like cabling and infrastructure, they can be hard. Software can support what you're trying to do um, as long as you have a clear objective. So you have a clear owner and you have a clear objective about what you're trying to achieve with software to tell you the story ultimately. It doesn't necessarily make it a better place to work, um, but it can make it an easier place to manage sometimes. And because of that management, you get a better outcome. So it's trying to find the balance between what you need and what you can achieve. Um, and I think there's lots of different technologies on the market now which are able to facilitate greater understanding of building operation without fundamental capital investment. So without putting lots of sensors in place, um, there are things that you can retrofit and a lot of data that's actually quite easy to get to without a lot of uh, infrastructure investment. Like what? Well, um, I was talking to somebody recently who, I can't remember the name of the company, and it was very interesting about carbon carbon dioxide sensors. And what it did was measure um, air quality. As a result of the air quality measurement, it was also able to determine the number of people in the location based on the carbon dioxide input. So if you imagine a a room, maybe, I don't know, 20 meters square, um, it could work out the number of people in that room by the number of carbon dioxide that was being emitted. So if you want to do occupancy, you can just put one sensor that will give you occupancy and it will also give you air quality and humidity. So you can ensure that the air conditioning comes out at the right time, that you know how used, how utilized that room is and also you can ensure that the, the building's safe. So that's just one very simple uh, metric uh, you can get from a set one sensor. Um, for us, for example, we can surface up a lot of data from access control. So existing access control systems contain a lot of data about buildings and how they, people move around those buildings. You don't need any more sensors. It's just using the existing data in a smarter way. Yeah. I mean, you've, uh, you've hinted at this a couple of times, but there's obviously a lot of products out there, uh, a lot of different tech solutions, as they say, uh, for a lot of yeah. problems. Um, now, when, when companies are looking at what to actually integrate into their offices for the first time, how do they, how do they know whether to go you know, the bespoke route get a bespoke product that's uh, specific to them or get something off the shelf? What are, what are the pros and cons of, of either option? So a bespoke product is great because it's built to exact needs. Um, the problem is when you need to make changes to that bespoke product can become a challenge because 
If it was built as a one-off product, um, you will have to go back to the developer for those changes generally. So that can be difficult. Um, if you get something that's more off the shelf, what you tend to get is a, is a product that is more vanilla, but it's something you get you started very quickly and then you build upon it internally using in-house um, speci specialists. The benefit with that is you get the people who understand the business processes to implement what that software needs to do. So if you need something to deal with occupancy, for example, you would have an FM um, manager or somebody who deals with the, the building infrastructure who would build out those um, solutions within that software. If it's bespoke, you have to go back to the people that build the software and that, and that creates a problem and a challenge in its own right because you have to relay the information, they have to interpret that information and build out what you need. So there's always a potential for that to go wrong. Off-the-shelf solutions uh, like Yardi produce, um, they produce a suite of products which out the box do a lot of what people need, in most cases probably 90% or more. And there's only a small amount of, of uh, design on top of that that needs to change to meet the exact needs of the building. So that, for me, and with experience, is probably the better way to go often because you get a better outcome. You might not always get the best outcome day one, but over time it gives you the tool set to allow you to get to a better solution. Um, having bespoke software can be a challenge and you need to have a very, very clearly defined process and work very closely with, with people who are going to build it for you to get the outcome you need. And there's always a risk that that might be misinterpreted. I think one, one thing that I, I hear about quite a lot these days and uh, it's it's treated either as a concern or it's treated as well just just the reality of of, uh, of all this tech that's uh, data security how how do you how do you how do you approach data security and data privacy um, it underpins everything we do fundamentally I mean it, it's, it's a crucial thing uh, it, it has to it has to be underpinned by everything you do purely from the point of view of confidence what you can't afford to do is be lax with information security. It will damage your brand very quickly if there's a leak and it will damage your reputation very quickly if people don't believe that the information they're passing over is managed securely and safely. So it's absolutely crucial to what we do. And as part of that, we have a continual review process about the data we manage. Again, we talk with our customers and understand what type of data they need and what type of data they need for, to be retained for how long and how they retain it. Again, coming back to the point about tool set, we give customers a choice about data retention. So we empower our customers to decide what type of data they hold and what type of and how long they want to retain that data for. So it's really crucial that we kind of be custodians of the data, but ultimately empower our customers to manage it and do with it as they see fit. It's, yeah, kind of back to credibility, it's really important. I think you can't under, underestimate the, the value of, of uh, data security and data privacy. Is that a thing people ask you about if uh, if they're looking at your products? Yes, absolutely. I mean, um, I think data privacy we went through yesterday with uh, with Corey. We're talking through one of some of the most visited web parts of our website. And data privacy is one of the most visited parts of the website. So yeah, I'd say it most definitely is. Even if they if people aren't articulating that and asking us directly, that they're certainly researching it and finding it out. And then you know, it's it's all well and good talking about products and. Uh, and what they can offer, but products obviously need users. From your perspective, are office workers receptive to the software that their uh, that their bosses have installed in their buildings? Do they actually use it? <laughs> um, I hope so. Yeah, I think. Well, actually, for us, we, we have a we have two kind of approaches. I suppose we have the approach which is we try and give people the best tools available um, to make their job easier. 
So if people are booking appointments through the web browser, we try and make it as easy and uh, simple as possible. That said, we also give people the, the opportunity to book appointments directly from their existing calendar. So actually, they don't have to use the software at all. So where we're using things like a tenant portal integration, where we're, you, people are booking meetings through Outlook, the host or the users of the system, the most of the users of the system are never actually using Bluepoint, which is good for us because it stops putting another barrier in the way of, of technology adoption and software adoption. For receptionists, it's just part of the suite of tools that they'll have to, uh, they can use to carry out their duties. Um, so for them, it's, it's probably more uh, mandatory. For the users in terms of the hosts and the people within the companies who are booking appointments using Bluepoint, they have a number of choices of how they want to use the product. And what we're trying to do there is ensure that adoption is really high without putting barriers in the way. Okay. There's always a challenge when you put new software in the place um, of something, an existing process, or it's just an additional piece of software, people have to use it, becomes burdensome. So we're trying to remove that as much as possible. And I think it's a difficult thing. And I think the pandemic has made it that more of a challenge for lots of people because it's not only about booking visitors in, it's about booking their own desks, about booking uh, time slots when they can come to the office. So, you know, there's a lot of things we have to do now as part of day-to-day -day life from, you know, the NHS app to COVID screening to vaccination status and everything else. And we don't want to make more of a burden to people's lives. We want to make it, we want to make less of a burden. Well, that's, uh, that's a nice note to, to end on. Um, but before we go, what's next for you? Uh, well, for us, in, in terms of Bluepoint, it's a continual evolution. Since the, uh, the acquisition by Yardi, it's a case of looking at uh, where we grow and how we grow the business, how we grow the software to meet those needs of the, of the changing market, become more flexible, becoming more dynamic, becoming um, richer in terms of features, and aligning making sure that we're aligned with the market needs and what our customers want is, is crucial and that underpins everything we've done and all, everything we ever have done. The opportunity now we have with the RD is the ability for greater investment and to accelerate that quick, more quickly, and not in the UK, but into more markets as well. And also to improve our integrations, to allow people to communicate with Bluepoint better from their own systems and also to output the data in a better way so people can get more value from the system. Thank you for that, Paul, and uh, thanks for th taking the time to talk to us. Uh, good luck with uh, good luck with everything in the future. Thank you, no thanks for time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Place Tech Podcast, brought to you in association with Forge, powered by Yardi. Make sure to subscribe to our weekly newsletter to receive all the latest trends, updates, and analysis on the prop tech industry. Simply visit placetech.net/slash-subscribe to find out more about Forge, powered by Yardi. Visit. We are forge.io. Thank you.